And so it's a joy to be with you, to say the least. Uh, if you have your Bible, I'm going to teach from Acts chapter 8, and I'm just going to walk you through it. Uh, my challenge as a pastor today is we have 175 years, and boy, I was so encouraged by videos, music. Thank you, Ricky. Uh, incredible. The testimonies have been so rich, and I, I was just giving an earful to James through it all. I say, here's what I notice. Here's what I notice. And uh, so many qualities that I've observed in your fellowship this morning. Uh, I love music. I've always said that I know a great song when I hear it. Uh, our church is known for its music. My family leads the largest music tour in the world of Christian music and Two out of the last six years, the largest of any type music in the world called Winter Jam. Uh, we do Winter Extreme. We're just always with um, musicians and music. We just hosted over 6,000 people at Woodstock on Friday night to hear Zach Williams and We the Kingdom and Kane. I just love music. But uh, one of my favorites from yesterday is um, Steve Green. And I thought uh, when I was sitting there on the front row, uh, may all who come behind us find us faithful. Uh, may the footprints that we leave lead them to believe. Wait a minute, here's the best part. And the lives we live inspire them to obey. So, so I want to live a life of light and I want to leave something that would inspire someone to believe. I lead a national initiative called Who's Your One? And, and it's really trying to get Southern Baptists to focus back as to what helped us to be our best. And that is, listen to this statement. We've got to keep the main thing the main thing. See, at the end of the day, there is a bottom line. And the bottom line is, is where people are going to spend eternity. My one is my youngest brother. I've, I've seen my whole family come to faith in Christ. I was the only believer when I got converted a long time ago. And God used me to speak into literally every one of my family's lives. And so early yesterday morning, I shared the gospel in the context of brokenness with my youngest brother, former cage fighter. I'm the run of the family. He's a big guy. And by the grace of God, he's sitting under one of my preacher friends in Wilmington right now. And so I'm sitting there praying that God would save Freddie today. Every Christian ought to have somebody on their heart that they're intentionally praying for and asking Jesus, lay some soul upon my heart and love that soul through me. And then I'm praying, Lord, give me an opportunity, an open door to invite them to coffee, to lunch, to visit with them and to make the gospel known, especially my family. As I travel across America, here's what I hear. Hardest people in the world witness to are family. But you've got to be careful there. That becomes a self-fulfilled prophecy. You can begin to believe that you're excused because they're hard to witness to. So I pose questions like, who, who in the name of the Lord Jesus of Nazareth could love your family more than you do? Uh, we sing 
the lyrics of one song by Mark Hall that says, he didn't want heaven without you. Well, let me ask you a question. Do you want heaven without them? Because they've got to come to know Jesus uh, to go to heaven. And so I want to speak today on the subject, wherever he leads. Two questions. Number one, are you ever amazed at what you can't remember? (laughs) But a second question, are you ever amazed at what you can't forget? I mean, there's some things, I don't know why, are just indelibly imprinted upon our soul. And, and it goes way back. It was over 25 years ago. It was Lakeland Baptist Church in Lakeland, Florida. I was doing a tour with a large student choir. I, I even remember that it was Brad and Becky that sang the solo. And I remember being so touched by these lyrics. And, and I find myself just constantly walking around the house humming this tune. L- listen to the words. Lily, Lily of the Valley... Let your sweet aroma fill my life. Rose of Sharon, show me how to grow in beauty in God's sight. Fairest of ten thousands, make me a reflection of your light. Day star, shine down on me. Let your love shine through me in the night. Lord, I've seen a world that's dying, wounded by the master of deceit. Groping in the darkness, haunted by the years of past defeat. But when I see you standing near me, shining with compassion in your eyes, I pray, Jesus, shine down on me. Let your love shine through me in the night. Lead me, Lord, I'll follow anywhere you open up the door. Let your word speak to me. Show me what I've never seen before. Lord, I want to be your witness. You can take what's wrong and make it right. Day star, shine down on me. Let your love shine through me in the night. In Acts chapter 8, verse 26 through 39, we have the story of where the Holy Spirit interrupts a man's life. He's a deacon. He's a servant of God. Uh, throw this out there for James. He's a diaconos. He's a, a person that God has set aside to serve him. And I really believe the theme of his life is, wherever you lead, I'll go. Acts chapter 8 and verse 4 says that he's preaching like a crusade over in Samaria. And yet, the Holy Spirit would speak to him and say, Philip... I want you to arise and go to the south, which is Gaza, the desert of Israel. And basically, he's going to show him, listen to this, that there's one person there. Boy, as a preacher, this is a true statement. Most of us had rather leave the one and go preach to the multitude. But Jesus is leading one to leave the multitude and go speak to the one. You ever heard this statement? If you were the only person in need of a relationship with Jesus Christ, Jesus would have still died for you. By the way, why why would God just lead you at times to be burdened and intentional for one? Don't miss this. 
You may in your lifetime just touch one. But the one you touch may touch thousands. Let me tell you what I know about the history of my copy of the Word of God. Historians and theologians believe that when the Lord led Philip to witness to this Ethiopian eunuch, that it was the first gospel presentation to anyone on the continent of Africa. I've been serving in, in the Kenya area and in Uganda among the Karamajong and also among another tribal people, the Maasai, working with missionaries that are real close to me in my life. I happen to have been part of a movement in Africa when God swept hundreds of thousands into the kingdom. Uh, I remember God did among warriors what he did to Lydia at the riverside in Acts chapter 16. Listen to this. He opened their heart. And see, there's times you say, boy, my family's not open. This is not open. And even my brother, he's not been open. I've talked to him forever and forever and forever. But he came to hear me preach the other night for the first time in 10 years. He was near me over my hometown is Wilmington, North Carolina. I was in the town of Wideville, and he brought his best friend with him. And I was a hustler of pool for four years before I was converted, ran the pool hall, high school dropout, raised by a single mom, raised in a project, no purpose direction in life. And so sitting on the back row when I preached uh, a powerful message on the gospel and God saved several men that night. My brother and his best friend Larry, Larry sat on the back row and wiped tears. We talked afterwards. Freddie told me later, he said, on the way home, Larry talked about, Freddie, I don't know if I ever told you or not, but my mom got saved in her last days. So did my brother. I never have been saved, he said. That's a conversation. Two unsaved men on the way home. Why do I even tell you that story? That was August the 16th. I got a call last week. Hey, pray for Larry. He climbed the ladder. It was sprinkling rain. It was a little slippery. He lost his footing and fell 16 feet. Hit on his head and he's unconscious. Two late hours later, they informed me he had died. My schedule, no way under heaven, would allow me to do his funeral. And so listen to this. Life happens. How many of you know life happens? And so while life's happened and Freddie's not been interested, guess what? Freddie's now thinking it can happen that fast. And so that's why, God willing, he's at Northside listening to Kenny Chin this morning. You may say, wow, uh, you just started witness to him. Now, I've been witnessing to him for 48 years. That's a long time. But if you'll keep witnessing, God will give the opportunity. I've found that God uses three things in particular to change people's lives. Number one, he uses the word of God. I love my Bible. Thank God for my Bible. The Bible says in Romans 10, 17, 17, so then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. I have preached the word of God and I've watched God, no exaggeration, even in the church I pastored, I watched God save thousands of people, thousands of men and women. 
I, I, lo I love to tell the story about one that told his mother, I mean his wife, he said, Mother's Day's coming up, and I've been thinking about how special of a mom you are to the kids, and I just want to inform you. Ask anything of me. I'll do anything you ask on Mother's Day. And Runan said, great, I want you to go to church with me. And he told me later, he thought, in the name of Jesus, I wish you'd ask anything other than that. <laughs> so we came. He weren't the first to come. I used to be the same way. Kind of come and fold his arms with attitude. Bless me if you can. Ricky, there's an old song I learned after I got converted. I went to a Church of God camp meeting. And they were singing, while I was preaching, or while he was preaching, somebody touched me. Must have been the hand of the Lord. <laughs> glory, 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 somebody touched me. So Rocky, rough guy, fight at the drop of a hat and furnish the hat. You know, uh, Rocky, God touched him. Are y'all listening? God touches people with the gospel. Rocky came forward. And so I, I received people in the center aisle. And they were, it was a big church, so there were preachers all across the front. So he came to me, and I never put words in a person's mouth. I've always, 43 years of pastor, here's the question I ask. Sir, why are you coming? And here's what he said. I don't know. I don't like you, never have. <laughs> but sir, when you were up there talking, something touched me and I've come to find out what it is. Long story short, I don't have a better friend today. God soundly saved Rocky. He uses the word of God. You know one thing we've missed in our churches? The power of the invite. I had the privilege to mentor the young pastor that followed me at Woodstock. He called me not long ago and he said, there's something you do that has me under deep conviction. I said, what's that, Pastor Jeremy? He said, you never come back to preach that you don't have unchurched, unsaved people on the pew with you. So, so I just have a practice that every week when I'm home preaching, I call someone. Grace and Peter, hey, Grace, Peter, I'm preaching this coming Sunday to unbelievers. Uh, why don't you come? Janet and I will save you a seat at the 11 o'clock service. And then afterwards, we want to take you to, to lunch on our treat. 90% of the times they'll come. And why are we inviting them? People need the Lord. And God wants to use me. Number two, God uses the Spirit of God. The Bible says in John 16 in verse 8, when he has come, speaking of the Holy Spirit, he will convict. And the word convict means to expose or to convince. See, see, my duty here today, I'm under no pressure to convince you or to convict you or to expose your needs. That's the work of the Holy Spirit of God. And by the way, when you go share the gospel, sometimes you leave and you say, um, I'm not sure I got anywhere. You probably didn't. You never will. You don't have the power to change anyone's life. Charles Spurgeon got it right. He said, I can no more change a life than I can create a star. But the Spirit of God can. He, look what he convicts you of. Three things. Of sin, righteousness, and judgment to come. 
Sin, because all have sinned to come short of the glory of God. Righteousness, here's a great one-line theological truth. No one can go to heaven without the righteousness of God. Someone says, you know, Pastor Johnny, you preach the gospel, and you may not have meant to do it, but you came across like maybe you're going to heaven because you're better than I am. Oh, no, 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 no. I'm not better than anyone in this room or anyone I ever preached to. I'm going to heaven not because I'm good. I'm come going to heaven because God, in his mercy, heard me cry out in repentance, and God gave me the gift of righteousness. He who knew no sin became sin for us that we might be the righteousness of God. And then he said judgment to come. I'm not here to impress you. And there's stories you want to tell that are just true. I had the privilege through the years, I'm a North Carolinian, to become personal friends with Billy Graham. We're there regular teaching at the Cove with Franklin and with Will, and I've had them in my church. But uh, Billy Graham invited my wife Janet and I to come and spend an afternoon with him. Can you imagine that in 2010? Uh, we sat out there in that chair that's in all of his books and, and carried on conversations. And Billy Graham told us that day, and it later went into print. Here's what he said. John, if I had it to do over again, I'd preach more on judgment. Jesus spoke of hell three times to every time he mentioned heaven. So he, he warned us of the wrath to come. And so we need to tell the truth about does it matter if my mom, dad, does it matter if my three brothers and two sisters come to Jesus? It really does. But there's a third thing God uses. He uses the child of God. You, you know how people get saved? God uses you. God uses you. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20. So then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were making his plea through us. We beg you in Christ's stead. Be ye reconciled to God. I was witnessing to a man not long ago. And he said, thank you, Pastor Johnny, but I just want to inform you when God's ready to save me, he'll let me know. <laughs> to which I responded, he just did. <laughs> On the authority of the word of God, the Lord Jesus Christ has empowered the child of God to invite people to come to Jesus. My wife and I were riding down the road. My assistant was texting me and sending me emails and telling me that there was somebody reaching out to me that he had, he had been listening to my uh, podcast. And so I called him. He's 27 years old. His name's Darby Moore. He's a Marine. He lives over in Alabama. And he just wanted to know, could he have a conversation? So my wife were in the car on Bluetooth. We get into a conversation. He says, sir, I just heard a sermon on the gospel. So we begin to talk about it. And as we shared, I personalized it with him. I could tell he was really touched by the gospel. So I finally said, Darby, is there any reason you would not be willing to turn from your sins and put your faith in Jesus Christ right now? He said, nothing, Pastor Johnny. So right now, you would like to repent 
believe the gospel and trust Jesus. Y- yes, sir, I would. And just, I thought it was cool. Panama City Beach. You see, in, in Atlanta, my people believe that if you live a good life, when you die, you go to Panama City Beach. So anyway, uh, it's a big deal. So here we are in Panama City Beach. On Bluetooth. And Darby prays. And Jesus Christ changed his life. How, how do you know Jesus Christ changed his life? Because that's been about a year ago. He goes to every, he's at church, he got baptized. He called me, this is cool. He called me one week after I prayed with him to get saved. And he said, Pastor Johnny, I hope you don't mind me calling. I said, no, no, I want to help disciple you. He's in a good church, but if I can help in that process. He said, well, I just need to ask you. I'm sitting here right now looking, this is good. I'm glad I came so I could hear this. But anyway, he said, uh, here's what he said. He said, I want you to know that I'm sitting here right now looking at the first check with my name on it since I got saved. I said, okay. He said, what is tithing? I said, well, it's the word tithe means one-tenth. It's a tenth of the income. Then he asked this question. Can't make this up. Net or gross? To which I, I responded the same way I'm going to respond to you. Which do you want God to bless? He said, I want God to bless all of it. He said, I'll write a tenth off the top. I, you, you may think I'm just joking, but you know a man really got saved when he lets go of his money. <laughs> that, that's meant a lot to him. And by the way, the reason some men haven't come to Jesus yet is that is who and what they're worshiping. That becomes an idol in your life. Matter of fact, if you were to ask the average person on the street, would you like to go to a church? And if so, what would you like the preacher to never address? Number one answer, money. And you say, preacher Johnny, why do you think they don't want you to talk about money? People do not like, oh, it took 175 years. It's probably going to be 175 for you to invite me back. But listen to this. The reason they don't like to talk about money, people don't like you talking about their idol. Covetousness is the only word in the sin list in theology that comes with a caveat. Covetousness, which is idolatry. When I want more than I ever want to give, I'm an idolatrist. So I want to be a giver. Hey, here's a statement. I I do a lot of writing. Not very good, but I do a lot of writing. I've written a lot of books. Here's the bottom line. Here's a statement God gave me. I want to do now what I'll be glad I did then. I want, I want to live in light of eternity. Uh, Martin Luther said there's only two days, this day and that day. So I want to live honest before God. I want to live in light of that day. Hey, fathers, I'm going to give you my favorite verse in the Bible. Proverbs chapter 20, verse 7. The righteous man walks in his integrity. His children are blessed after him. When a man will walk with God in truthfulness, God will sovereignly and supernaturally bless all your adopted children and your children and our children. So so let me just give you a, a couple of statements in my time that's left. Let me talk first of all about the ministry of a submissive servant. Three things I'll say about Philip. Number one, he heard the Spirit's call. The Bible says in verse number 26, And the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, Arise and go. If you'll ask God, 
to shine a light on anything in your life that keeps you out of a great relationship with him. He'll shine a light on it. Stay there, he'll shine a light. And if you'll confess it and come clean, you then are able to say this, fill me with the Holy Spirit. And the reason sometimes I can't get full of the Holy Spirit is I'm so full of everything but the Spirit. If there's a glass and it's already got something in it, you can fill it the rest of the way up, but you can only fill it with what you want in it to the level of how empty it was to start with. So fill me. Some mornings I have to pray, fill all of me you can. So fill me with the Holy Spirit. Clothe me in humility. And make me sensitive. I, I don't want to be desensitized to the Holy Spirit. And so he heard the Spirit's call. But look, this sounds si silly and simple, but listen. He heeded the Spirit's call. The Bible says in verse 27, he arose and went. L listen to this. That is a simple compliance to a sovereign call. Y'all are such a friendly people. Most of you. All right, but anyway, uh, but, but during the service, before the service started, some of you just came and engaged me. It was so kind. And I really enjoyed speaking with you. And, and some began to say, uh, one dear lady, um, my family have served the Philippines. And I've been with the IMB. I'll tell you how they got to the Philippines. God called them. God, God, God continues to speak. It is always in compliance to his word. God, God, God never speaks contrary to the word of God. When somebody says, God told me to do this, when the Bible says, God says, don't do it, God didn't tell them. A spirit told them, but not a Holy Spirit. So he arose and he went. And by the way, listen carefully, just simple statement. It's amazing what God can do with someone that will heed the Holy Spirit's call. Nothing trumps obedience. Uh, I've been blessed living in the Atlanta market for 30 years to be discipled by Charles Stanley. So I just spent two and a half hours with Charles on Friday. He said, I'll remind you again, Pastor Johnny. It's the number two, two number top words of my whole life. He's 89 years old. Sitting there, here's what he said. Obey God and leave the consequences to the Lord. But you obey God. And he says, all I've ever tried to do is obey God and leave the consequences to the Lord. So if you would obey God as he speaks to you. And then number three, he hastened to the sinner's cry. There's an urgency about sharing the gospel with the nations. Boy, you've got such a rich heritage, 175 years. Boy, some preachers give anything to have heard the testimonies that were shared up there about the church and its influence on their life. But what if everyone in this fellowship left here, even today, wouldn't this be something if, if all of you or absolutely most of you left here, would one person soundly, significantly, specifically on your heart. And here, Adrian Rogers taught me to pray this prayer. God, I pray for your special touch for this specific task. 
And the task is, I want to make the gospel known. So the Bible makes this statement in verse number 30. And he ran to where he was. I just find that significant. He didn't walk. He didn't linger. He didn't pause to do other things. He listened to this. He didn't get distracted. He ran to where he is. And then listen to this fourth statement. He helped him as a sinner to comprehend. Picture this now. Here's, here's Philip. He's a deacon. He's made his way by himself to Gaza, which is desert. And he gets there, and the man's reading a, tr a manuscript. And by the way, he could have not had a manuscript unless he was a wealthy man to own his own copy of a manuscript. And a manuscript happens to be Isaiah 53, which to most preachers and theologians, we would be that is one of the most significant prophecies, 800 years Isaiah pro prophesied before the coming of the Messiah that one day one was coming that would be wounded for our transgressions. He would be bruised for our iniquity. Somebody, somebody, somebody is going to die for Johnny Hunt's sin. He's reading it and listen to what he says. Uh, excuse me, sir. Do you understand what you're reading? Listen to the word of God. How can I accept somebody help me? I believe that every friend God brings into my life, this is just where I am. I believe when God brings a friend into my life, I think in the back of their mind, if they're not a believer, here's what they're saying. What is the deal with Johnny Hunt? They're wanting to know. So, and here's what Johnny Hunt is saying as he preaches everywhere and talks. Here's what I say. The single greatest decision I've ever made in my life is the day I gave my life to Jesus Christ. Hold on just a moment now. How could I... <laughs> How could I possibly call you my friend and never share with you the most significant thing that has ever happened in my life? And so he, um, he shared with him. Let me give you a second statement. The message of the submissive servant. When he said, how can I accept somebody help me? So let's just picture this is your mom, your dad, your siblings. Uh, I get calls regular. I, I got one yesterday. And so I put it in. I have a journal in my phone. And I have eight days. I have an every day. And then I have a Sunday through Saturday. And on those days, I pray for particular things. So there's things I pray. The list is getting pretty long of things I pray for every morning in my quiet time. Henry Blackaby taught me how to have an unhurried quiet time. I may rush through some things in a day, but by the grace of God, 99% of the time, I do not rush through my time with Jesus in the morning because it's how my day is going to shape. So I got a call yesterday from Cleve McCleary, the Marine that lost an arm and an eye uh, in Vietnam. He's a chaplain. We have chaplaincy, uh, over 3,000 chaplains in the military that are part of our team at the North American Mission Board. So he called me yesterday and he said, I have a friend named Ron Gibson, and he's got a daughter named Katie. And she's just been diagnosed, 32 years old, with three small children, 32 years old, with stage four cancer. Is this a fair question as a believer? Is this okay? Queer, fair question to another believer. Um, hey, Cleve, uh, I'll call Katie. So what do you want to do? I wonder if I would call and encourage her. My gift is encouragement. But I said, 
does she know the Lord? And then he went on and he said, yes, she, she really does. But let me uh, tell you what I find the majority of the time. Oh, so you want me to add your mom to my prayer list to pray for her and she has stage four. Uh, I'm sorry, I've never had the opportunity to meet your mom. She lived here or somewhere else. So she lives in Knoxville. Tell me, does your mom know the Lord? Listen to the number one answer. I'm not sure. Now, let me give you my number one speculation. You don't know because you've never asked. Something's wrong. Some, something's wrong with me. If I've had this life change, ha, by the way, I'm a believer because a carpenter named N.W. Pridgen did not want heaven without me. That dude wore me out every time I saw him. Get your pretty little wife and come to Longleaf Baptist Church. And then he would say this, do you know Alfred Joyner? I remember Alfred, he's a pretty tough guy. Well, let me just tell you, have you heard? No, heard what? Jesus Christ changed Alfred's life. You'll see him when you come. Next time, hey, I thought you were gonna come. When are you gonna come? Do you know Drew Todd? Oh, I know Drew Todd. Drew is bad news. Well, you may not recognize Drew. Now, why is that, Mr. Pridgen? Because Jesus Christ changed his life. I, I, I got to be honest with you. Coming out of a pool hall, I'd never been to a Sunday school class. I'd been to probably three services, Easter or Christmas, in my entire life. I'd never owned a Bible, and I was 20 years old. Never owned a Bible. And they're talking about Jesus changing lives. I, it, it, it didn't make sense to me. Until I went. And when I went, some of you guys will appreciate this. My dad, before he left, before he left when I was a child... My dad really had a strong hand for discipline. Today, they would call it Elo Abusio, okay? <laughs> it was, uh, he uh, was very abusive. And so um, he would tell me this. I'll never forget it. Hey, boy, if you don't quit your crying, well, I mean, when he's laying it on, I will give you something to cry about. Did you know you can learn to take pain without tears? I can still remember going to Wayne Collins' funeral. He was one of my best friends. I didn't shed a tear. I wanted to. I felt bad that I couldn't shed a tear. I'd learned to take pain without tears. But guess what? I'm at Longleaf Baptist Church, and I'm listening to the gospel for about the third Sunday in a row, three in a row, and God's speaking to Johnny Hunt. It became obvious to the preacher. The sanctuary was about the size of this one, probably about this many people there. And here's what he said. Getting ready to dismiss. Join me in praying. There's a young man here. Pray God bring him back tonight and save him. We think he's struggling with the Lord. I had a red 67 GTO. Can I get a witness? All right. And uh, I would leave, I would leave the church those three weeks we went and go to Holly Ridge Drag Strip to race on a quarter of a mile every Sunday. We were heading down the road and I start toward the house. My wife said, whoa, whoa, where are we going? We're not going to the racetrack. Not today. Why not? preacher was talking about me. She said, oh, there were 300 people there. How, how can you say he was talking about you? How many of you know this? You know when God's talking to you. It's not because he knows your number or has your number. Ladies and gentlemen, Jesus Christ knows your name. And so I, I started bartering. See, see if you men ever bartered like this. 
hey, I'm not sure I can live up to this, but if that story's true and Jesus Christ can forgive all my past and change my life, he's welcome to it. But if he does it, if he does it, if I ask him to and he does it, don't get on me when I go to the Red Fox Saloon three nights next week. I was making the excuse that I may end up right back where I came from. Just don't you, don't you hound me, Miss Janet. So we went back that night, and as we got near the invitation, I got scared. So I said to her, when Mr. Gibson gives the invitation, go forward. <laughs> Tell him I want to get saved. She whispered, I'll do anything for you I can, but I can't get saved for you. Bill Bright later taught me in his fourth of the four spiritual laws, if you're ever going to get saved, you must individually receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. That night, that night, I gave my life to Jesus Christ. He changed my life. I wish I had more time to tell you more stories, but I've taken all my time already. So I'm going to wind it down. I'd like to land this plane. That's the night my life changed. That day, I wanted to be a professional pool player. And I used to think how cool it would be if I could get good enough, and I was on my way, playing second string nationally. If I could get good enough, I could make a living doing this. Oh, by the way, I didn't tell you. Did you know why I quit school when I turned 16? I was afraid to give a public book report. God has a sense of humor. I've been reporting ever since I got saved. That's when it all changed. That's when I, I found I have a story to tell. Tell everybody, but especially God's given me a significant men's groups across America and at Woodstock, large men's groups. The Bible simply says, Philip, verse 35, and I'm through, he opened his mouth, and beginning at the scripture, he preached Jesus. The church of Jesus Christ has got locked, y'all. We need, once again, by the power of God the Holy Spirit, to open our mouths and tell other people about Jesus, to tell them the difference Jesus made. They'll become your best friend. I told mom, she's in heaven. I told dad, he's in heaven. I told Barbara, she's living for Jesus. Mary, living for Jesus. Norman, pastoring the same church for the last 33 years, 10 miles from me. I led him to Christ, baptized him, licensed him, ordained him. Freddie, hope by the end of the day, I'll add number six, the last one. How about your family circle? Is it broken? How about your friends? Who's a close friend that you've yet to tell about Jesus? Oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I almost forgot. How about you? Do you know him? Hey, guess what good news I've got? Listen to this. Did you know you could get saved right where you sit? Is that glorious or whatever? You can be saved right where you sit. Pray with me. Father, in Jesus' name, thank you for the way James has honored me with the privilege to preach the gospel from the pulpit you've called him to. 
use your word to make an eternal difference in some man, some woman, some young person's life. Save someone today. Lord, commission, recommission every man, woman, young person in this room to tell their family, their friends, their relatives, their neighbors and their work associates and classmates the story of Jesus, their only hope to not end up in a Christless eternity. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Here's the invitation. If you'd say, Pastor Johnny, the gospel you just shared, I've never received. I know I need to be saved. I want God to forgive my sins. Three things God will do if you'll trust him. He'll forgive you of every sin you've ever committed. He will come and live inside of you so that the life you live will not be contingent on your ability but on his power in you. And then he promises you that when this life is over, and believe me, it will be over, you'll spend eternity with him in heaven. If you say, that's what I want to do. I want Jesus Christ to save me right now. If you do, ask him. I'll lead you. You ask him. Make this prayer your own and give it to Jesus. Just simply say to him, Lord Jesus, go ahead, say it to him in your heart. He knows your heart. I need you. Come into my life. I know I can't save myself. Please save me. Forgive me. Cleanse me. Thank you for dying for me. Help me to live for you. Lord, I'm sorry for my sin. And I'm asking you to cleanse me Forgive me and save me. And now in gratitude, I simply say, thank you for hearing my prayer and thank you for saving me. Now help me to never be ashamed of you.